I'm a Christ follower called to build the local church. I'm a leader serving a vision bigger than myself. I champion the uncommon realm of honor where my pastor's vision is my vision. I own it. My personal success is second to my church's success. I will die to self daily to see the church move forward. I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before me and surrendered their lives. I will do the same. I will give every ounce of my life to this work with no regard for credit, positions, or titles. I will leverage all of my influence for the cause of Christ to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am an uncommon church builder. I am Leading Second. This is the Leading Second podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Well, welcome back to season two of the Leading Second podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and it is the honor of a lifetime for my wife and I uh, to lead this tribe of uncommon church builders. If you lead but you're not in charge. If you serve a vision bigger than yourself, if you serve your pastor's vision, your church's vision, then Leading Second is for you. So welcome home. Welcome to your new tribe. So glad you're joining us today. Of course, the Leading Second podcast releases every Thursday morning. And uh, I'm excited because today, from the beginning, I'm joined with one of our favorites, Pastor Joshua Bingle, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington. We out here. Man. Hello. I love having you on here, man. I love being on. You're you're our favorite guest. Don't tell any of the others. Uh, I, we actually, all of the guests have a group chat and I just tell them every day <laughs> I'm the favorite one. Well, <laughs> what, what's the whole thing with when you have like multiple kids? Um, your favorite kid is <laughs> whatever one you're talking to at that time. Maybe it's something yes. like that. I don't know. Or, or the one you're not talking to at that time, <laughs> as it were, whichever. Oh boy. Well, today I'm excited <laughs> about what we're going to talk about. Uh, on this episode, something I've been actually wanting to talk about for a while, and we're going to get a chance to get into it today. Before we do, I have a couple of announcements, a little bit of housekeeping for everyone today. Our fall coaching groups are just about to kick off. In fact, you'll have just a couple of weeks to uh, get involved in our newly revamped monthly coaching groups. In fact, if you don't get involved uh, here for this coming month, uh, we actually create opportunities now for people to join coaching groups every single month, 12 months a year throughout the life of Leading Second. So it, I, it would be my honor to walk with you, to be a coach in your world. I have a team of coaches that help us with this. And if, if you're wanting to grow your capacity as a second chair leader, and you want to get it right for your pastor and, and you want to get in the leadership gym, so to speak, then coaching groups are for you. So head to leadingsecond.com or check out the Leading Second Instagram. We would love to involve you in an upcoming coaching group. So before we get into our interview today, we also had an I Am Leading Second story uh, come in from a member of the Leading Second tribe. And uh, we wanted you to hear it today. So why don't you check out what God is doing in the life of another tribe member of Leading Second. My name is Taylor Priscillo, and I lead second at Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington. I serve under the leadership of Pastor Josh and Carly Bingle, who are two of my very favorite people. In so many ways, leading second has equipped me to serve my pastor better and lead stronger from the second chair. I've learned so much about what it means to truly own his vision 
to carry it in my heart, to see problems that he would see before he even sees them, and then execute solutions with urgency and excellence. My heart is to get it right for my pastor, and Leading Second has served as a tool to help me grow in alignment, honor, and my personal capacity, um, just so that I can continue to help move the ball down the field. And my heart for my pastor is that he would truly know and feel that we've got his back and that we're in his corner. From platform all the way down to conversations with other staff and volunteers, we're upholding his vision and decisions with 100% alignment, integrity, and ownership. I lead from the second chair because building the church is high on my priority list. I believe in the dream that God gave my pastor, and I believe with strong second chair leaders holding up his arms, that dream will just continue to grow and come true in Spokane. My name is Taylor, and I am leading second. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, or if you'd like to submit your own I Am Leading Second story, uh, why don't you head to leadingsecond.com, reach out to us, share your story, ask your question. We would love to feature you on an upcoming episode. All right, Josh, here we go. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about the Leading Second Creed. Yes, sir. And uh, I think when I think about Leading Second and all that we've sort of put together to illustrate and frame our mission with leading second. I think the creed is my favorite thing that we've painted over this tribe and, and this community. And so I just wanted to talk about it today. It's an important piece of our DNA that I hope doesn't get overlooked in all the things, the merch and the coaching groups and all the things we're trying to do. Uh, I hope that this creed isn't just, words on a website, but it can become words in our hearts uh, for all of us that lead from the second chair a bit of context for everyone listening. Um, I was sitting in a staff meeting 12 years ago here at champion center and um, we had a guest speaker in and this particular speaker one day uh, shared a message that would be along the lines of leading second. And I have to say that that was one of those days in my journey of ministry where I walked into a room one way and walked out another. Wow. It was a transformational session for me. And Lindsay and I, this happened to us both. God just wrecked us on that day for this topic. That was probably the day where God planted the seeds and birthed this dream in our hearts all those years ago. And so I didn't know what else to do. I think Facebook was like brand new at the time. Yes. And so I walked out and I just, I wrote this paragraph. It was very messy, poor grammar, the whole thing. Uh, and I put it up on Facebook as a note and it actually got some traction. It was just my heart for how I wanted to respond to the word that had been shared that day. And when we were getting ready to launch Leading Second, I called Josh and I called another friend And we all got on a couple hour Zoom call, Skype call or something one night. Yeah. And we just hammered this out. I I asked the guys, help me make this better. Help me, help me clean this up. Help me make this something that can transfer into the hearts of people everywhere. And thus was born the leading second creed. So uh, do you remember being on the call that night and wrestling through all that, trying to make sense of my, my crazy paragraph? Yeah, I I, re- I remember yeah taking it from the paragraph into the kind of statements and relaying it out. But Brandon, I think the thing I remember most about that night when you asked like, do you remember sitting writing? It was like 
I always loved you and I always loved Lindsay and you guys have been such a big help to our church and the work you've done with our staff. But it was like when this was coming out and being formed, it was just you just a tangible presence of God and just being like the hand of God is all over this. Like there's, there's something special going on here through you and Lindsay. And even this language just like solidified it. And I remember when it came out, um, when you guys released it and our, even our team who knew who you were and had worked with you, um, were just like over the moon. Um, so this really, um, I think that's the thing I remember most from that conversation was like, God is up to something big time through this. You know, I completely echo that. And I remember that was also, we were right at the end of fundraising, launching. Yeah. It was just kind of that, that pressure. Crazy season. moment. Yeah. You know, right at the end. And yet, um, I'm really, I'm, I'm thankful for you, but I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to articulate something that has now had some stain power. And yeah. I remember sharing it. The, I think probably the next day I shared it on a group text with Pastor Kevin and Sheila. And um, <laughs> Sheila's immediate text back to me was, that'll get you up in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and if you know her, you know, that's probably a pretty good compliment. So I figured, uh, I, I figured we were on to something. So um, I, I just thought we'd go line by line and talk through what some of these statements meant to us. A little bit of the why behind the what you know, yeah. of the leading second creed. The first line in the creed is simply this. I am a Christ follower called to build the local church. I mean, Josh, yeah. what does that mean to you? I'm called to build the local church. To me, I would say it's, it's the most important action step of the gospel is um, that Jesus did this for us. And now he calls us to join him in that work. Like what greater thing could we do? I know it's trendy to be down on organized religion. And you and I have had yep. conversations about this and we've had these conversations at our, at the team church conference about it. Yep. And, um, there's just such a, a deconstructionist. There's like this romantic idea of we're going to deconstruct what's wrong. And we're, and I'm just like, man, I'm, I don't want to be like the, like the Anabaptists were, you know, in the 16th century and try and, change what's wrong with the church by leaving it and bashing it. Like I would, I would rather, um, recognize who she is and who she's not and, and do the hard work of, of presenting to Jesus a bride that's without spot or wrinkle that he's coming back for. Um, and it's hard to do that from the outside. Like it's super easy to stop attending church and start writing a blog. Like that's least common denominator, low hanging fruit. Um, I think it really takes um, some real strength and guts and gusto um, to continue to build a church in a society that poo-poo's that very thing. So I think think that the the most punk rock thing you can do is to plant your local church and build it from the inside. Totally, totally agree. And Pastor Kevin said this at Team Church Conference this year, 2019, Um, he said, Jesus promised that two things would come to the earth. He promised the Holy spirit and he promised the birth of his church. Yeah. And, um, I think when you see a collision of those two things, you know, we're just living in the perfect plan of God for our era. You know, if if Jesus is building the church, why would I want to be found tearing it down? The very thing that Jesus is building up. So that's just, that's really, really big DNA for us at Leading Second. Maybe we could stop there 
And, and that would be enough just to commit to be church builders. The second line of the creed then goes like this. I am a leader serving a vision bigger than myself. Of course, I even started this episode by saying that today I am a leader serving a vision bigger than myself. I think this is the posture for most of us in the kingdom of God. I mean, if you're not Mm -hmm. a lead pastor, Mm-hmm. then this is our posture. This is maybe one of the single most uniting thoughts mm-hmm. in the church is yeah. that I serve something bigger than me. I mean, I know you're, you sit in the lead seat, you are a lead pastor, but you've had your yeah. own seasons of serving someone else's vision. And now you build a team that serves this vision bigger than all of you. I guess, what does that statement mean to you? I'm a, I'm a leader serving a vision bigger than myself. Um, well, I think it's the same for lead pastors as well. Like the the misconception might be that um, we get to do whatever we want. And um, that's called like heresy and disobedience a lot of the time. Because <laughs> there's plenty of things I want to do that God is like, I'm not asking you to do that. And so wow. we call people to serve a vision bigger than themselves because that's the very thing we are doing. Like even as lead pastors... Um, we're serving the vision of the kingdom, which is far bigger than us. Like this, we are just the the current link in a chain that stretches back 2000 years. And so not only, like you said, for post- a posture for most of us in the kingdom, I mean, I would be willing to g- push my chips sure. to the middle of the table and sure. say it is for, for, for all of us that, um, that just because we're sitting in the lead chair doesn't mean um, yeah, so good. We get to do everything that we want, you know, and like this first line, I'm a Christ follower called to build a local church. I think the rest of this creed for us really captures your heart and Lindsay's heart and how we're going to go about building the local church. And um, I think a lot of people that would agree with that first part. And then um, this second right. part, I'm a leader serving a vision bigger than myself is where people start to bristle like, oh, wait, what? Well, I'm here to build the church, but like, wait, I gotta, I gotta be part of a team and right. I have to lay down my own preferences and I have to be inconvenienced. And, um, that's just called following Jesus and being right. a disciple. Which leads us to our next line of the creed. I champion the uncommon realm of honor where my pastor's vision is my vision. I own it. Josh, what does that line mean to you? Um, I think that it's really, really misunderstood like this idea of honor like there's a difference between honor and glory Hmm. like what we're not saying is glorify your pastor we're not saying like only god gets glory but specifically all through scripture we're called to honor one another and there's this idea that we're all the same and it's it's not wrong it's just incomplete like Hmm. we are all the same at the foot of the cross yet god established authority. God calls us to live in authority. In fact, Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders and those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Yep. Like, so like the, the writer of Hebrews is literally calling us to do that to the first part of that, consider the outcome of their way of life. Like you have to determine and, and the, the, the house that God is calling you to like, can I buy into this vision? Like, and, but then once you do, like you have considered it, you've bought in, you feel like, God, this is where we are called to be. And then at that point, scripture literally calls you to like, to, to imitate and follow and do what your leaders do. Yep. 
Like that's a big piece of what honor is that people are like, Oh no, I have my own way of doing things and you're just trying to change me and make me conform. And like, that's just such a, yep. such a dangerous way to think about honor. And, um, especially when Hebrews 13 calls us to just consider, consider your leaders, consider the outcome of their life and then imitate their faith. Like it's literally an obedience issue from scripture that is being undermined. And I just, that's why I love the language of I champion the uncommon realm of honor. It really is uncommon. Yep. Um, it's easy to dishonor. That's low hanging for least common denominator. And, um, but it is really uncommon. So let's be that. So good. So good. The third line, the third and fourth line is, is my personal success is second to my church's success. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about bristling there. Yeah, no uh, kidding. And then it, to add insult to injury, we said this, I will die to self daily to see yeah. the church move forward. Little interesting thing, by the way, uh, the words church move forward was, was actually in my original version. I think you were j- joking with me earlier. I think I said a, yeah. die a thousand deaths or, you, you know. Did. We made you change it. And you, you said, you made, I'll die a thousand deaths. It sounded like, so, okay, Shakespeare, so good, Josh. Down, like. <laughs> Anyways, um, but it was really interesting that, that you know, years later, we would end up putting that phrase over Team Church tribe of move church yeah. forward. And those words had just had come out of me very spontaneously, you know, so many years earlier. And I, yeah. I was, obviously, I just, it's just one of those fingerprints. I just feel like God was up to something, but, but going back to the creed, my personal success is second to my church's success. I will die to self daily to see the church move forward. Um, this is really important, I guess, for, for people to understand that we, we hear a lot in the gospel and rightly so we hear a lot in the gospel about the blessing of God, about the favor of God, God's preparing you because he wants to promote you. And, and all of those things are right and good. And, and it is, it it is an incredibly compelling thought to be used by God. The thought that is maybe more prevalent in the gospel that does not get near the airtime in our vocabulary, in our preaching is the die to self part. There's always a cutting back. There's always a sacrifice or a selfless nature to being used by God. And This is on an individual level. And then even when you're going to join a church team, you know, you have to die yeah. to yourself to get along with your team and yeah. to, to be a part of something bigger than you. And, um, I think this is probably one of those lines in the creed that loses some people because yeah. when it said my personal success is second to my church's success, like, I just really wonder how that hits people because yeah. that, that, that now gets down to something that has to be a revelation. Yes. In, in the heart of someone, because that is, that is anti the the language of our world, our success driven world that I would actually forfeit something personally mm. in order to see the church move forward in order to see my church succeed. I just am fully convicted. That's the way of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we are called to take up our cross, um, not crawl up our cross. It's like, it's become some of my favorite language. Like we, we too often crawl up on our cross and like make ourselves into victims of like, but my idea didn't get used. And and like, I just don't, I don't see that anywhere. I see, in fact, one of my favorite things and 
to me, this is one of the true tests of leadership is like when someone on your team is the one who is getting the credit, when someone on your team that you've raised up is the one getting the phone calls to be on, you know, to go be on a panel at something, or they're getting called to be, um, gosh, and can you help my church move forward to use that language? And that requires you just being willing to, um, die to self and not need all the credit for everything. That's right. Um, it's, it's a, secondly, it's, it's a way more fun place to work when people don't need credit. Yep. Totally. Like few things are more draining than like this. I hate this. I see this on the internet. Sorry. I need to be kind with my language. When people are like, someone will post a picture on Instagram and then someone will jump in the comments and go photo cred me. And it's like, who, <laughs> who, like who, who cares who took the picture? Like that's the thirstiest thing you could say is like photo cred me. Or it's like that's, that's some of Pastor Kevin's language that I love is that, you know, you're going for contribution, not credit. Like healthy teams are after contribution. What can I con- contribute whether I get the credit or not? And the paradox of Christianity or one of them, at least, is that um, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. And like if you want to be the greatest, you got to learn to be the least. And I think even yeah. this, like if you want like you need to be able to lose your need to, to be seen as successful and then once you really do that and you die to that, then God's like, ah, I can use that. And you, you find success that you never would have if you were chasing it paradoxically. Well, well let's say it like this. I mean, dying to self and being a servant leader uh, is about more than a foot, foot washing ceremony, you mm. know, or something that we would do at a camp or a retreat. Right. Like this is when your dream has to get put on hold and you have no idea if you'll ever get back to it again. Mm. For me, that what I'm doing now, working with churches, coaching churches, even out of that leading second, that was a dream that sat on the inside of me for 10 years that went unacknowledged by anyone. And it got, I could tell the long version later, but it got to the point where I actually had added up. I'll probably never get to do that. And am I willing to still serve my church faithfully, even if I never get around to doing that? Mm-hmm. And I added, and I got to the point where I added up, yes. And I don't think God would have given it to me until I got to the point where I added up. I might need to sacrifice something here mm-hmm. in order to faithfully serve my church. And then the power of the resurrection in the gospel is just that God resurrects, resurrects dead things. Yeah. And he brings things to life in, in his power and in his timing And, um, I I hope that, I think I'm on a personal mission right now, Josh, to help people see the joy in their sacrifice. The word says Mm -hmm. that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and that there, there can be joy. Sacrifice is never easy. It never feels easy. And and it's little sometimes it's big. Sometimes it never feels easy. You know, sacrifice is is God, God will never ask you for something you don't have to give, but he may ask you for something you want to keep for yourself. And, right. yeah, yeah. and when he asks for that, and when we give, there, there is a joy in there that I hope people yes. in the second chair learn to see and experience because it just breathes so much life into yeah. um, what we get to do in ministry and for others. And um, anyways, if you're listening today, I hope that you're, Maybe God's even birthing a revelation in you just about how maybe me being second, my life being second so that others can go first and my church can go first. If you have seen authority 
abused or if you've seen that taken advantage of in your past, let me just say, first of all, I'm very sorry. And that shouldn't have happened. And yeah. that was wrong. But not every environment's like that and not every leader's like mm. that. There are leaders out there that you can serve, quite possibly your pastor, and you you can you can sow your life into their vision. You can die to self and it will not be something that is misused. It is something that is beautiful yeah. and something that will breathe life into your church and breathe life yes. into you. We just need to reclaim the narrative on that one, I think. Yeah. Um, yes. which, which leads us to the next line in the creed. I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before me and surrendered their lives I will do the same. I love this line. Uh, yes. The shoulders who have gone before me and surrendered their lives. I think this thought was born out of the thought that we stand on platforms and are a part of churches oftentimes that we didn't build yeah. naturally or spiritually. I mean, my, my church goes back 30 something plus years, depending on how you add it up. And I get, when I'm home on the weekends, I get to stand up and minister on a platform I didn't build some, some yeah. a, a giant before me, giants before me built that. And yeah. now I get to stand on it. And I think this revelation came from the fact I'm standing on their shoulders. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to be the kind of leader that recognizes the sacrifice of those who went before me. Yeah. Part of this too goes back even not to take away from what you just said, but goes back even further throughout the, the 2000 years of the history of the exactly, church. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like people literally surrendered their lives. Yes. And that's why it's difficult to me for me as a leader. And I have to be careful that I don't get too salty. And, um, <laughs> no, because I get I, it. totally, because I'm like, you are having trouble laying down your idea when people like, you know, Polycarp and they, they're just, they're standing there on display as they're being martyred for their faith. And that's right. They literally gave up their life and you're having a hard time giving up your idea. Yep. Like I, and, and that's not to say that giving up your idea isn't difficult or giving up your need for validation isn't difficult. I'm just saying part of it, this line for me is when we contextualize the shoulders upon which we stand, it reminds me that like, gosh, the things that I am called to give up, like I get to live in a country where I don't have to fear for my life because I work at a church. Like, and when I contextualize it like that, to me, it makes it far easier to, to let things go and to be a team player because I am constantly reminded that I get paid to do what people died to do. No, like, totally. Totally. And, and so, and it says, I will do the same. Um, contextualizing that is it's not just the the people who went before us in our particular church which you you have great conversations about borrowed platforms and you're not as good as you think you are like the platform you're standing on makes you look better than you are and yep those are great conversations and um but also to place ourselves in the history of God's great church that's exactly um right. that that people gave up far more than we're being asked to give up and um, it just contextualizes that for me. Extremely well said and and absolutely part of what I hope people would hear, which leads us to our next line. We got a couple more of these. I will give every ounce of my life to this work with no regard for credit, positions, or titles. We, we actually talked about it a second ago, naturally, but the idea that are you willing to go all in for something that wouldn't have your name on it? Yeah. 
Are are you willing to lay it all in the field and no one ever have seen, know, or applaud what you yeah. what you did? I, I I think first of all, I just believe those are some of our most effective moments in the kingdom, regardless. Yes. And but I also think it's a it's a one of those heavenly tests, you know, that God lets us mm. come to a place where, you know, you may have an opportunity to do this in the future and you'll get the credit, but before you do, are you willing to do it without the credit? And yeah. I just think it's a great revealer of our heart and of our motives. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, cause some of you checked out and we talked about some hard stuff maybe, but like, I think there's, there's nothing I'm telling you, like it is such a free way to live. There's such freedom in not doing things for credit. Like you give some of the, the, like Brandon, you said some of your best contributions, um, you know, come from that space. And like, I'm telling you when you give blood, sweat, tears, and you don't care if you get credit or not. There is such freedom and creativity in that place. You're not jockeying for position. It's exactly right. Like the best idea starts to win like it really should because you're not at, we talked about it a little bit earlier of needing the credit. But if, if you truly want to test or, or have freedom in your life, just give up your addiction to credit and needing people to see all the work that you did. And I promise you, you will start creating the best work of your life. That's right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Which leads us to one of the last major lines of the creed. And I wanted to park here for a second. I will leverage all of my influence for the cause of Christ to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this line, I think, is maybe one of the lines from the creed that has matured the most in me, even since we wrote it that night. Mm, yeah. uh, I will leverage all of my influence. And the more I've thought about it and the more I've watched our culture just, you know, mature over the last 12 years, um, you know, me- meaning social media and the way that we live and conduct so much of our lives, everyone today wants to be an influencer. Everyone today wants to you know, what's, what's the dream, you know, right now to have 10,000 Instagram followers, so you can have swipe up swipe you know, up, and like, man, I've arrived when I can life. tell people just make sure you swipe up, you know, <laughs> and, and like, like that, like that's the pinnacle of, of success, you know? And so we, we, there's an entire industry for in Instagram influencing, you know, yeah, that yeah. you can get paid to wear people's clothes, you know, if you're enough of an influencer and spo- yeah. you know, sponsor me and, you know, all this stuff and nothing wrong with it. I just wonder if God gave you significant influence, what would you use it for? Really? Mm. Like, like if you got it tomorrow, because I think it's easy to sit in a church meeting and and during a praise and worship song and tell Jesus, you can have it all. But, but, but when, when the influence comes or when the opportunity comes to lead in a greater way, maybe in your church or whatever, just whenever, whenever influence grows, I think influence and power can corrupt us more than wealth ever could. Yes. And, um, in our day of influencers, I just wonder if anyone listening to this today would be willing to believe God for influence, but not 
for influence for a selfish mean or a selfish motive, but influence so that the kingdom of God could truly move forward. And yes. and that being the purpose and the rationale and the reason, mm. you know, for the increase of your influence. I don't think it's a bad prayer mm. to pray. I just think it comes down to motive. Yes. I remember one of the first, it might've been the first time you came to our church and you asked me a great question. You may not even remember it, but your question, you didn't say like, what are your blind spots? You asked me, you said, okay, Genesis church, which is the church that my wife and I pastor. You said, Genesis church goes down in flames. What's the headline? And like, really what you were asking me was like, what are your blind spots? What are, what are some things that you need to keep in check? And I remember just thinking about it like I'm like, I don't think it would be like sex, drugs, rock and roll type thing. I think it would be I desire to influence people so badly that I would sell out for a platform. Mm. I think that's the danger for me. And so this one in particular has a special significance to me. Um because I had started having the people in my world ask me the question before we launch an initiative or make a decision or like, is this building the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Josh? Mm. And to really wrestle through that because a question I think we would all do well to ask ourselves, like this line says, I will leverage all my influence for the cause of Christ. And, and I just wonder if we were honest with ourselves, we affirm that. But I wonder how many of us are leveraging the cause of Christ to build our influence. Mm. That it's like trendy in church world to have, like, I love uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick's language at Team Church Conference when he's like, all we're trying to do is create the, uh, the purest form of cocaine. <laughs> like, social media is still <laughs> cocaine, but like, we're just trying to create the purest form of it. And wow. like, you know, his whole talk about, I'm not even sure how I feel about social media and I employ people to build my social media. And like, I just wonder if we ask ourselves the questions like, am I leveraging the cause of Christ to build my influence? Am I trying to have the trendiest graphics and the coolest events and all this so that I can get more followers to get to the, the conference invites to get this? Or is it truly in order? And that is a, that is a big boy, big girl Christianity question to yep. ask yourself, am I leveraging my influence for the cause of Christ? Or am I trying to leverage the cause of Christ so I can get to swipe up life? Yep. And that is only you so can good. answer that. That is so a, good. that is a, in your prayer closet question. And I have to constantly ask myself that to the point to where there's tons of things on social media that we don't do as a church not because we don't have the horsepower, not because um, it wouldn't be beneficial. I just am not sure yet that it would be healthy for me as a person. Yep. And I would rather have not the preaching clips and the thing and all this on there until I'm in a place where I'm good and call that bad leadership, call it what you want. It's just that's where I'm at personally in my world, um, fleshing it out on a podcast in front of all of your eyes. But that's uh, um, that's just a question to ask yourself. Am I leveraging my influence for the so cause good. of Christ? Or am I leveraging the cause of Christ so I can get to swipe up life? Yep. Very, very well said. Which, of course, leads us to the final line. I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. I think why we chose to land there is, number one, I hope you're willing to be one of the uncommon ones, one of the rare ones. 
I hope you're willing to lead uh, from a pure place and a right place, even when it's unpopular or, or not easy. Um, mm. That's the nature of the kingdom. And I, I hope that you're willing to stand up for what's right with integrity and uh, to not back down from that. And just, just so you know, um, there are many, many out there who think like that as well. Yes. And I get to talk to them every day. And, and to so many times the critics get the airtime in church life. But let me just tell you, there's far more of us out there that want to get this right, that want to lead well, yes. that want to lead in an uncommon way. Let's make uncommon actually the new common. Come on. In, you know, because we were willing to stand up and do things the way of the kingdom. So maybe that just gives you some fortitude to, to lead in an uncommon way. And then that last line, I am leading second. I just hope that being a leader that serves someone else, I hope that's an identity you feel like you can rock and own. Mm. I, I, we, we actually hope to bring dignity back to what it means to follow and serve a vision bigger than ourselves. Yes. And if we do one thing through leading second, may that be it, that, mm. that we just bring dignity back to um, that God. I don't know, Josh, any final thoughts from you on the leading second creed? Yeah, I just, I love it so much. And it really is a series to me. It's a series of lines in the sand. And I feel like Jesus in, in his ministry was constantly drawing lines in the sand to find who was going to come. And I remember there's a moment where Jesus has, you know, this crowd of people and he draws a line in the sand and he's like, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to drink from this cup. And he's referring to death and a bunch of people leave. And they're like, never mind, I'm out. And he looks at Peter and says, Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, Where am I going to go? You have the bread of life. And, and like so much of this, I pray that when you read it, that it's, it's a little confrontational in your spirit, like yes. that it's challenging you and it's causing you to wrestle through some fleshly things that still hang on with all of us. Like, you know, we had a hand in helping develop this and it still challenges me every time I read it. Um, and I think if you're reading it right and you're just like, yes, yes, yes. And it doesn't actually challenge you. I'm just saying you might not be reading it right. Like, yep. like even with scripture, if scripture is not confronting you, you're probably not reading it right. And, and so I just pray that, that through this, it, that it's, it's slightly confrontational and it's challenging and calling us, all of us to a higher level, um, to be everything that God has called us to be, That's right. to present a church to him without spot and wrinkle. And if we just stay in our lane and, and, um, continue to build God's church, um, uh, gosh, there's no greater thing we can give our lives to. So I agree for writing this. Thanks for living it. Thanks for embodying it. Thanks for championing it. And we love you and Lindsay and the whole team. And um, it's an honor to be on this journey. Absolutely. We love you too. And thanks for, thanks for being my, my silent, I shouldn't say this out loud, but my silent content person behind the scenes. I don't want any, <laughs> anyone to know that actually you're way smarter than me. So we'll just we'll edit that part out later, but All Hey right. Josh, we love you. And Hey, if this love podcast you. is resonating uh, with you today, I would encourage you to hit the subscribe button Help us out, become a podcast ambassador, leave a rating, a comment, share it with someone in your world. We're back next Thursday morning and we would count it an honor to have a space in your life and your leadership journey every single week. Also head to leadingsecond.com, sign the creed uh, while you're there 
register for a coaching group. We have online meetups coming up. Lots of ways for you to engage with Leading Second, all in the hopes that we're all going to build healthy, strong, life-giving churches. So Leading Second, we love you. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.